0: in the third week of this retreat and so you should try to reaffirm your vow of noble silence. Make that vow again because it tends to slip. Has everyone made that vow? So that's in your consciousness now. You've you've determined not to seek other people out to talk and chat. In regards to the Gulf, cry, Gulf War is Don't uh, don't talk about it. Just don't uh, just observe this the mind. You want to reflect on the kind of curiosity, desire to know. Some of you I hear have little radios you listen to, determined not to listen anymore to the radios. Is everyone determined not to listen to the radio? Because this is the rare chance here to not feed the mind with that kind of Energy and information. And I'll keep you informed of the necessary things on the Gulf. Just because I listen to the radio doesn't mean you can't. <laughs> I didn't listen to the radio for twenty years at all. So I mean most of you still have very worldly in habits and worldly inclinations. So that kind of thing. You you don't want to feed it and and uh, keep it act- active. This is retreat's a chance for reflection, contemplation of Dhamma. For us, the Gulf War is dhamma. Then we're getting to the cause of the Gulf War by watching what goes on in your mind, uh, because the Gulf War is a result of, of avijja, uh, ignorance of the truth. So if you, if you're still uh, acting and living and and just carrying on out of ignorance, then you're contributing to the Gulf War, you're making your contributions to ignorance and wars. This is, remember, I've been saying this Gulf War is a result, resultant karma of humanity, the resultant karma of, of the Arabs, the Iraqis, the Kuwaitis, the Saudis, the Israelis, of the Americans, of the British the British that, that's kind of cut the boundaries around Kuwait and Iraq and all that. British karma, it's American karma, Israeli karma, it's all this karma of the Soviet Union. It's, we're, all, we're all contributed to this slaughter and this, this kind of thing that's happening. So just don't go around thinking it's Saddam Hussein's fault or be heavy on the United States or the Israelis or anything else. It's all just, we're all part of that. It's the human, the result of human ignorance, greed, hatred and delusion. So you're reflecting on it as Dhamma and you can see how many of your own thoughts and tendencies are just ignorant just habits of prejudices and biases and and uh, things that you that were instilled in you. We didn't have that much choice a lot of emotional states and attitudes and reactions not that we chose to be like this, it's just the way we've been conditioned. So the refuge is in knowing the condition is a condition rather than identifying with the conditions, being absorbed into the conditions, being deluded by the conditions. So silence, giving up the radio, newspapers, don't read those things. Determination to to practice. But don't make practice into a burdensome thing. That's why I've been been trying to encourage this 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 watching of of the intention. What it's like to you know, this compulsive tendency of having to do something or practice is a I've got to practice. Compulsive obsessive tendency of the mind. You want to identify it and see it. So, practice doesn't become another uh, compulsive activity for you. So, you, you can see this retreat as a, as a kind of holiday, as a way of, of being able to be light and happy and, and to be able to reflect on Dhamma. Free your mind, free your heart from all its fetters and bondage. Then we have opportunities now, like with, with uh, Heather, to try to help her. He's going through a difficult phase. This has been very English. (laughs) 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 Having a few problems. (laughs) (laughs) Now what is the reaction to that? Is it is it? how do you feel? Is she she interfering with your retreat? Or is she uh, troublesome? Are you frightened of such kind of behavior? Or or, do you just wish it would stop and wish it wouldn't be like that? Or feel confused or frustrated? Or what? Just to notice what happens to your mind when when these things happen around us, to us. Now we can make our intention. Our intention now. Now notice I emphasize the word intention because this is not uh, uh, telling you what you should, c- sh- how you should feel about everything. I'm not saying what you ha- how you should feel. I'm just trying to encourage you to in- make an intention, which is to to, on a rational plane, beyond feeling, As I emphasize rationality doesn't feel anything, it's totally unfeeling, so you use it for intention, and so intention means to, to intend towards, uh, say, compassion, metta, serving, uh, helping someone of our community who needs help make that a rational intention, then observe, you know, during this retreat what, you're, what you feel like emotionally in regards to that, just to observe the the reactions you might have of feeling annoyed or bothered or, or um, guilty, maybe you feel guilty because you don't feel uh, maybe very compassionate, or maybe you don't Feel the way you should, think you should feel, or whatever complicated mental creations you have, observe. Reflect on it as Dhamma. Notice it, begin to see it as an object, as a condition of the mind. So notice, I'm not trying to intimidate and say you should feel all the time tremendous metta and (coughs) compassion. And just ooze all kinds of kindness out, and and uh, and become a bit silly about it all. I'm not asking you to to try to become uh, compassionate, but you 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 intend with the rational mind, with the ability to create ideals. You you form that intention as a rational thing, as a guide, as a direction, how to deal with this with this situation that has ar- arisen, do the best you can on action, on uh, what, you know, And but observe. Admit into your consciousness the way you're actually feeling about it. But not as a personal uh, kind of testimonial or confession to anything, but just a recognition of this is feeling feeling is like this if you feel threatened or frightened of a person like that then then feeling is like this this is a feeling an emotional feeling if you feel impatient or or you like don't want to be bothered that's a feeling sense of not wanting to be bothered with with something like that, not wanting to have to, to give up sitting time, or interfere with your practices, that sense of, not, of somebody getting in the way, or feeling annoyed, really notice what that feels like. So we're taking a situation like this and 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 using it for enlightened understanding, for liberation, for Buddha seeing Dhamma rather than seeing it as an impediment or a bother, uh, and believing it, believing that a retreat, a proper meditation retreat, there shouldn't have any of these kind of things going on. We should You just want everybody to sit still. Practice hard. Nobody break down. Nobody crack up. Nobody create any problems. Everybody here on time. Everybody. It's like how ideal retreat you know where, where there's nothing goes wrong, everything goes right. Everybody says at the end, what a wonderful retreat. Everything was right. Nothing went wrong. That's the ideal retreat. That's an ideal retreat. Retreat is like this. This is the way it is. Life is like this. Life feels like this. Being born as a human being and feeling, consciousness and feeling is like this. You feel things all the time. Breathing and Consciousness, eye consciousness, ears, nose, tongue, body, mano consciousness, like this. Gulf Gulf War also. War is exciting, isn't it? It's a fascinating war, exciting war. I mean, it's a real macho war for men. it's really brings out that that in us. Look at these kind of phallic airplanes zooming over <laughs> rockets and highly powered uh, Rockets, kind of cruise missiles going off ships in the Persian Gulf and kind of wending their way through the streets of Baghdad into these various buildings that they demolish. It's like science fiction. You can see the generals, they kind of took it. This were really men fighting a battle, and women too, and fighting. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. the mind from the way my mind is, watching the war is exciting, it's a very exciting thing. This is an exciting war. Excitement is very compelling, isn't it? It's mesmerizing, it's totally absorbing, anything exciting you're just caught right into it. It's irresistible to be excited because you don't have to. Uh, you, you're absorbed. Excitement is an energy that you're just taken in. You don't have to do anything. To, to resist excitement takes effort, but to just follow it is just the easiest thing in the world. So this is the way it is. Excitement is like this. War and violence. Uh, weaponry and all this uh, atrocity, Uh, we find yourself really interested in in, uh, what the kind of gory details are of war. Now, idealistically, we might be very much against this war and and think it's, you know, as an ideal we We might feel our idealistic mind might think this is a terrible thing that's happening and all these people being killed and and destruction and violence and hatred and all these forces just going wild that's the ideal mind that's the that's the ideal <coughs> wanting wanting you know seeing uh, how terrible it is. But yet one can still feel the the same excitement. But there's also a feeling of anguish. It's depressing. Also a feeling of sadness that we behave like this, that human beings do these things. That we can just be so willing to to destroy and to to just not take and respect life at all or the planet we're living on and just delight and become fascinated in the excitement of weapons and, and wars and taking revenge. Saddam Hussein is a super villain or hateable man is hard to find. Uh, it's even you can't even feel sympathy for. I mean, Ho Chi Minh, at least, you know, you you felt sympathy for. Maybe he's probably a decent human being who was trying to free his country from all the problems the Europeans created and the Americans. Ho Chi Minh wasn't the villain. But Saddam Hussein, no matter how hard you try to to uh, you know, kind of whitewash him, he comes out black. <laughs> so that gives <laughs> that, that gives you even it's, it's clearer. You know, it's a very simple thing. It's, it's more black and white than the Vietnam War. So these different feelings we can have in regards to what's happening there, maybe we just don't want to know about it. Don't tell me anything about it. I don't want to know anything. I just don't, not interested and I don't want to know these terrible things. But life is like this. It's is not a judgment or a cynical statement or being fatalistic. It's just a reflection. Life is this way, isn't it? It's feeling and consciousness. Being human is like this. We're quite capable of doing the most brutal and horrible things to each other as well as the most loving and kind and compassionate. We have such a range of possibilities, behavior, In our lifetime, we're all subjected to various levels of uh, brutality, insensitivity, love and hate, kindness, compassion, greed, hatred, and delusion. Retreats also bring up boredom, having to sit and walk, and walk chongrom, and that can be, to many of you, it's very boring. Or it brings up maybe unwanted feelings. Maybe just get very negative or uh, whatever, so that the uh, if, you, if you're not terribly disciplined or haven't been on retreats very much, then one can just follow restlessness. Go down to the farm shop, eat a lot of cheese and chocolates, things like this. So try to restrain and develop that sense of restraint. Not a kind of uh, suppression of feeling, but to recognize uh, how much we, you know, when we get bored, how much we want to seek some kind of sensory uh, indulgence, want to have uh, some kind of sensory pleasures, distract ourselves with food, or sweets, or the radio, or the newspapers, or the talking with other people, or planning, or doing things, you know, around the, the monastery, wanting to to make plans for the future, whatever. So this is to be observed, that you want to see this, what the mind tends to do when faced with retreat time. Mm-hmm. Where there's the morning puja, bell rings at four, and I say, get up! leap out of bed with alacrity. Throw out your chest and say, wonderful new day is beginning for me. And then bow to the Buddha three times. Buddha Dhamma Sangha, Do your 5PX. Get ready for the uh, morning puja. Brush your teeth. And then Try to get over to the meditation hall before five o'clock. See if you can be here before I do. So that you're not just kind of running in at the last minute or, you know, leaping out of bed at five to five with alacrity. (laughs) Right. <laughs> that's that's cheating. <laughs> it's easier to leap out of bed with alacrity at five to five than at four o'clock, I admit. <laughs> But then again, to remind you that schedules are not, I don't want to institutional. I make you uh, 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 Pavlovian dogs, a song of Pavlovian dogs, that you go by the bell. The bell rings, you get up. (laughs) The bell rings, you go. You just follow the bells and the and the you become conditioned by the by the schedule. So I think use that, use the schedule as a as a reference point. Mm. The aim is to is to try to work with the schedule so that you can say get to the meditation hall maybe 15 minutes before five, so you can get here and to be and sit and. Bow to the Buddha Rupa and kind of compose yourself. So the, uh, the ideal is, is to not just just try to get in on time and just kind of last minute type of uh, behavior. Sometimes uh, things prevent us from getting here on time, so then we we have to accept that of not being able to. But our we're not just kind of going through the motions or just following the schedule like a, uh, like a slave. We're not just obe- being blindly obedient. We're actually working with the schedule that we have, developing our life around the way that schedule is. Morning puja. <coughs> Determined to, to attend those every morning. like it's our opportunity every morning to come together and and to chant re- reflect on the three refuges and remind ourselves of why we're here and to meditate reflect on dhamma This is coming from within you. You're internalizing this. This is, you're, rather than just obey, blindly obeying everything, because if you don't, people will, you feel people don't like you, or, or I will be upset, or people will uh, scold you, or people will think bad thoughts about you and all that. That's, that's being o- obeying because you're frightened. So you, you, you follow the schedule because you're afraid that if you don't you'll be scolded or looked down on by us. That's one way of doing it. Fear conditioning. Why weren't you at the morning chanting? Heavy number, isn't it? I can be really happy if I want. Really? A good monk always attends the morning chanting. That means if you don't attend, you're not a good monk. <laughs> and then you, maybe so many lashes. a system of penances. How many bows, how many, like this, this Chinese bowing, how many of those you have to do if you don't make it? For every minute you... You're late for the morning chanting. You have to do that many bows. That's one way of of, uh, of keeping you going, isn't it? Through through uh, punishing you for disobedience or not not being on time. Or but what they for the holy life? That, that that's not what I want. I don't want you to to just be another kind of uh, rat in a maze. But to to take on this responsibility, to develop this sense of personal responsibility to work with things, to reflect, to, to put yourself into this life, into this form, breathe into it, make it right for yourself, work with it, be honest and develop it so that something in you is really growing from within. It's not just, you know, winter's retreat, strict discipline, everybody has to come and everybody has to do this, and if you don't, you, you're you going to be scolded or punished, or or maybe we wouldn't do that, we're so nice here. But maybe, you know, you feel offended and you might feel Ajahn is not very happy with the, your behavior. and. So you come so that you don't want to to upset me. Or maybe you come because you want to impress me. You see, I'm always here. (laughs) The others don't get here on time, but I'm here, boiled to the end. (laughs) <laughs> so then that is that is uh still not internalizing, is it? It's not it's not really developing that and and taking this life and making it work for yourself through through wisdom and mindfulness. Don't think that this life monastic life is magical and suddenly you just kinda Ordained, and here you are, and you just through time you just kind of magically transformed into a, into an enlightened being. This this form itself, this this style, this this convention, if you don't put energy into it, it's dead. The the life of the sangha is your life, your energy. It sangha has no life no energy of its own, it's a convention only. So it depends on you to bring it to life, to, to breathe life into it, like into monastic life. Make, Breathe your energy, put your energy into this form of the, of the Samana, rather than just kind of go through the motions uh, and uh, follow your, your old habits and just kind of conform, blindly conform to a system, is not the purpose of this life. One feels with the masters and monks that i really respected, like Lung Po Chow, that he was very much He'd, he'd made it work. He brought this vitality and this radiance into monastic life in, in Thailand. Why do you think we, we, we Westerners were so fascinated by him? He wasn't just a kind of spiritless, dreary old monk. He just happened to ordain and was afraid to disrobe and just went through the, through the, the system. But he actually, he actually had. A, there was a, a radiant vitality there. In this form, the monastic life had this quality. It was, it was, it was compelling, inspiring. Now the uh, mon- monastic life, as I've been encouraging you to, to the form—it's a classical form, it's the traditional form—and therefore, it's it's a form that we use for reflection, not for attachment. It's not to become something of mine. It is to, we have to understand the use of form, of convention, of Vinaya. We have to realize how to use these forms, these rules, these conventions, for reflecting, to be able to see Dhamma, to, to be able to see our own habit tendencies, the way we tend to, the way we are conditioned, the way our mind tends to operate, our emotions react, and what, what sets us off, what upsets us, what, where we feel lazy, where we feel depressed, where we feel greedy, what we find uh, makes us angry or we feel uh, have aversion. Mm. So you're within the limitation, restraint of Vinaya, you, you determine to stay within that fence, that boundary of vinaya, so that you can observe. And like, like determining to to not eat in the afternoon or to be restrained is is not just to suppress, not just trying to suppress your desires, but to intend your, your make that intention, set the limits so in a conscious way, so you know the limits are this. These are the limits for action and speech. They're this way. So in this, your rational mind, you're you're bringing into consciousness the limits that you're using. This is the this is the the the, the templum. This is the boundary. Because the templum isn't it was a Latin word meaning the place to go for contemplation. So say the, the in other words it was a play a temple was a place that you go, a designated area boundary where you go to contemplate the nature of life or the universe or the stars or whatever. So then in this but the boundary was, was designated. It wasn't just uh, you know, any old place, any old where it was it was designated, a temple, a templum was a with a plot designated for contemplation. Now, is our temple, isn't it? It's, it's the the limitation, the place, the boundary, for reflection. Because we stay within that boundary in regards to action and speech, so we can observe. It makes life simple if you you reflect on it in this way and and appreciate this, then you, you can actually feel it as a simplification rather than a kind of, of asceticism where you're trying to restrain yourself and keep yourself from doing wicked or greedy things. And that's all based on the self-illusion. We're not trying to, to uh, restrain ourselves as a kind of punishment out of fear, but we are wisely establishing a boundary, in order to contemplate truth, reflect on the way things are. So it's a simple, like a temple, templum with a simple place. It became a temple later, where it became all very fancy and ornate and grand, but imagine the original ones were just probably like squares, small pieces of land that were designated for contemplation. So it's simplification. Simplifying life is, is, the, is the nature of vinaya. Simplicity, fewness of needs. And from there then we can watch the way the mind reacts, the wanting, not wanting, uh, fearing, desiring greed lust anger and hatred jealousy and envy fear desire doubt and worry anxiety all these mental states are seen as dhamma they're conditions they're not they're not they're not what they're not mine they're not what i am these mental states they They come and go in the mind. They're not... Before I would identify with them. I feel angry, I feel lustful, I feel upset. So we we establish an identity with these conditions. But in the Templum, you're you're not establishing a self-identity with anything. You can let go of all that and just observe the true nature of things. more and more subtle, from the coarse, obvious conditions to the increasingly more subtle ones, till every possible condition is recognized as what is subject to arising is subject to ceasing, a realization of cessation and of non-attachment, of desirelessness. so that's why in this life to to use your intelligent rational mind to bring into consciousness to learn to how to use this this convention we have in the right way then it works it really works because it's based on on truth not on somebody's idea or an ideal or a doctrine. The Buddha pointed to dukkha then as the key so that when you're really miserable and suffering despairing, doubting, uncertain upset, anguished lamentation grief all of these, these are the, the uh, signs. These are what to understand, to, to recognize, to, to accept these feelings, to note them, to, to bear with them, to embrace them. I like the idea of embracing this mis- misery where before I I hope nothing miserable happens to me, because I can't stand it. That's how my conditioned mind works. I want to be happy. I want to have a peaceful heart. I want to be loving. I want everything to go well. I don't want to have any, any hindrances or obstacles or offenses. I want everything to be nice. I want to be happy. I want to get enlightened. I don't want to suffer. So then, we experience all this I, mean, I didn't ordain for this. I ordained to be happy, get enlightened. But that's the conditioned mind, is The conditioned mind wants to be happy, wants to get enlightened, wants to become something. So suffering, that's that most important thing to embrace it rather than to try to get rid of it. To embrace suffering means to really accept it forever, as if it's going to be forever and not mind it. Not mind it if it never stops, this attitude of, of just willingly learn from from maybe eternal despair now that that kind of reflection makes me see how how my emotional emotions are i want to get rid of it i don't want this i want i want something else and how impatient restless and Uh, uh, my mind is conditioned to be restless and impatient with it all and want to get rid of it immediately and take it all very personally and think there's something wrong with me or blame it on somebody else or it caught in all kinds of complicated reactions to it, but this sense of embracing something, understanding, standing under, uh, totally accepting it as if it's going to be like this forevermore. Not making any deals like I'll em- I'll embrace this suffering and then it'll go away. That's that's not that's not patience, is it? You're just grabbing the idea of accepting and embracing, hoping that you'll get rid of it. So your real intention is to get rid of it, rather than patiently accepting, bearing with, enduring, embracing, intentionally embracing it. All the suffering in the whole universe, I embrace. So then, uh, when we accept something, then we can look at it. When we accept something and look at it, we can understand it. And when we understand something, we can let it go. But you can't let go of something you don't understand. You can suppress it. You can throw it or try to get rid of it. But that's not letting go. Letting go is allowing it to go, allowing it to be itself. Because conditions, their natures, to come and then to go. So you're not making it go. You're allowing it. You're letting it go, rather than trying to get rid of it or trying to hang on to it. So this retreat, remember we we determined that everything that happens on this retreat is, is, is part of other retreats. Our intention in the beginning was to set up the retreat so that you had two months to reflect on Dhamma. And uh, where the lay people have come to offer their help on the level of supporting and, and uh, allowing this opportunity to you who have to, who don't have, who most of you have to have quite busy lives. Sometimes we, we don't have such opportunities, we have to live a more active in mm. life with in Hiradhamavati, so this retreat, two-month retreats, the lay people come to, to help and offer and serve and give and support. We've made our determination to use whatever happens as for our practice. That means the. Everything going well or everything going wrong. It's it's the, the retreat is like this. It's the way it is. Nothing is a disruption or a disturbance to the retreat because all disruptions, all possible disruptions, disturbances have already been accepted as retreat. We set up the retreat so we'd have as few as possible. Because I didn't plan any, there's no planned disruptions or disturbances for you. I guarantee it. I'm not going. I'm not a Zen master. I'm not going to come in and start throwing your zafus and at you and things like this, or doing things any intentional way to cause a lot of disruption or confusion. But whatever happens, so uh, the intention is, is this, this retreat where we we practice formal meditation, reflections on Dhamma for two months, and all that happens during the two months that that is uh, with inside or outside, it comes to us from without or the problems, difficulties changing conditions that happen within the community here, or within ourselves. So the selfish heart thinks, I wanted a retreat, and I this is my time, and I'm not getting enough time, that kind of thing. A, that is a conditioned mind. That's the condition of the mind, isn't it? No, if we recognize a condition as a condition, that is Buddha seeing Dhamma. So we really see Dhamma in 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 the way the way things are for us. Sometimes we get people coming to Dhammavati lay like people who, you know, when they find out they have to work, they get quite upset. I didn't come here to wash dishes. I didn't wash dishes at home. I came here to meditate. That kind, of, Those kind of mental reactions are, you know, quite it's from the conditioned mind. Washing dishes has nothing to do with Dhamma. Uh, sitting does. How many hours have you sat today? How many people ask me, how long can you sit, Ajahn Samedo? How many hours can you sit still, not move? They <laughs> say, well, I prefer washing the dishes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, to reflect on these that uh, the conditioned mind. I I didn't come here to watch the dishes. I came here to meditate. Or this two-month retreat I was planning it to be this way, and then this happens, and I uh, have to do this, and it's ruining my retreat. Rec- recognize this 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 kind of emotional reaction to to. Uh, say, things that you don't want to have happen. Because that's Dhamma, we've seeing where there's the Buddha contemplating Dhamma, knowing Dhamma. And life is like this. Uh, it's uh, Sometimes it's very pleasant, and everything's ordered and everything's going well, sometimes everything goes wrong. A lot of the times it's neither particularly one way or the other. But right now, it's this way. This is the way it is. Can you see it? The way it is right now. Can you notice? Attention to the way it is now. It's this way. You can't name it, this moment, can you? You You can't say exactly what this is right now, but it's this way. On this retreat, relax and enjoy this retreat. Make it a, a retreat that you, that, that you can feel at ease with, not just an ordeal or something you have to force. Some of you get so tense looking. You look, you look like you, you're going to explode. holding everything down, forcing, willing everything to... Willing makes... Willing out of ignorance makes you really ugly to look at. (laughs) There's nothing uglier than somebody willing themselves out of ignorance, seeing it. And so it looks like total misery, and that's not it. It ends up lightness and happiness, and gladness, joy. If you're getting too serious about all this, then have a good laugh, do something kind of the, to lighten yourself up, and relax. Don't make meditation into this onerous and kind a of dead. Seriousness. Uh, Got to suffer it and get enlightened. You, you, and so you, as soon as it, because that is, you know, the idea that suffering is the way to enlightenment. Mindfulness is the way. So you, you learn through mindfulness how to, how to balance out, where rather than just just force misery onto yourself, increase your misery. Your reflectance, is sitting, sitting miserable, and walking John Groom, or is it, or do I just create misery around it? Notice the difference between actual things, like, sitting, I find very pleasant. Sitting meditation, it's, it's joyful, a peaceful experience. I can make it into a, something I have to do and have to conquer, I have to get rid of pain and force myself to sit for an hour and not move and, and uh, you know, conquer the pain and defilements and, and using my will to do all this and after a while you just get so bunged up and so, so miserable in your mind, heart shuts down. So that's that's not gladdening the heart, not uplifting. And, and the, the meditation practice is a way of gladdening the mind and contemplating the way things are. It's a way of of real uh, brightness and clarity and lightness of being. So when you. When you, if you just go through the form, and in a kind of blind way, and just kind of do everything because you're afraid, because maybe out of duty or obedience or fear or something out of the self ignorance and self view, then no matter how long you're a monk or a nun or how many hours you sit and how many places you, monasteries you go to, and how many teachers you had, or had the best teachers in the world, or whatever, if you don't get it right, if you don't have the right understanding, then the whole thing is, is uh, it leads you to despair. The result of avicca is despair. avicca bhajaya sankara. And then from there that takes you to Sokapariteva soka Tukatomanas Upayasa. Jaramaranang Sokapariteva Tukatomanas Upayasa. Misery. Ignorance conditions misery. Vicha is the way to liberation. So I offer this for your reflection.